Notre Dame men's basketball is still in need of a new coach, and the roster is down to just five scholarship players. Is this rock bottom for the men's basketball program? Plus, why Notre Dame's D-line and linebackers are the most interesting position groups to follow during spring practice. All that more on this edition of Locked on Irish. You are Locked on Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Thursday, March 16th, which is the first day of the NCAA tournament. So thank you for making this your first listen of the day before you watch 72 straight hours of College Hoops. The show is free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're listening to the pod, please do me a favor and give the show a five-star rating, leave a review, and of course, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, give the video a thumbs up below and subscribe to the channel. I could personally guarantee that if you do all these things, you'll have good karma going into March Madness and your bracket will do better as a result. My name is Tyler Wojcik and I am the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and a producer at Fox Sports in Los Angeles. And in just a few moments here, I'm going to be joined by my good friend and old co-host Luke Smith to talk about a bunch of different topics. Honestly, we covered the roster turnover on the men's basketball team, recent developments in the coaching search, which appears to be down to just three candidates. And then we try and forecast when the men's team will return to the NCAA tournament because the Short-term future is not looking too hot right now. Then we'll get into the spring practice storylines that interest us the most as the Fighting Irish football team is set to hit the practice field in just under a week on March 22nd. We'll have you covered here on Locked On Irish with a new episode every Monday through Friday throughout spring practice and beyond. But there will be no episode tomorrow on Friday, March 17th. Enjoy St. Patrick's Day. Enjoy March Madness. This is going to be one of the best weekends of the year, and I'm so excited for it. Uh, but I'll be back with a new episode on Monday of next week, so stay tuned for that. Okay, let's bring on Luke Smith. Okay, Luke Smith is here, and uh, as I said at the top, the NCAA basketball tournament starts today, so let's start by talking some hoops. On Monday, three Notre Dame players entered the transfer portal. Dom Campbell, Robbie Carmody, and J.J. Starling. Starling has already committed to Syracuse, and at the moment, Notre Dame has eight Eight available scholarships for next season. So, Luke, my first question for you is, will Notre Dame be able to field a team next year? We've kind of joked about it, but I'm only kind of joking about it. They may want to consider taking a voluntary death penalty for the year, <laughs> just just for the sake of not wanting to be this, or sorry, next year's Louisville. Yeah, I was going to say, if you think Louisville was bad, get familiar with it because that might be the case. Instead of doing a death penalty one year, gap year, whatever you want to call it, How about Notre Dame decides to take a step back and they compete for the IHSAA state title? Would they be the favorite in that tournament? No. In in fact, I think (laughs) Cathedral, which is a massive feeder school to Notre Dame, not athletically, but from everybody else, they would probably beat them. So uh, I don't know if that would be the, the best case scenario, despite, you know, just the obvious humiliation of having to play against high schoolers there would also be the double of the humiliation of, of then losing to said high schoolers. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, it's a lose-lose no matter what. Now, obviously we're joking, but um, things are looking pretty grim right now for the future of Notre Dame men's basketball, at least the short term, because uh, there's just not a whole lot of guys on the team. Now, I guess if there's one good sign, it sounds like Brady Dunlap, one of the recruits who was released from his national letter of intent, he's waiting to meet the next head coach, and it seems like even though Starling is gone – there's a chance that Campbell might come back. So there's some progress to be made there. And at this point, 
Notre Dame is without a coach. They've got maybe five or six guys in the team, and it is it is really it is really grim right now. Is Notre Dame at rock bottom, or do you think it'll get worse? I guess we'll see next season. <laughs> um, it, in in all honesty, and Notre Dame, the place makes it a little bit more difficult, but. I actually think basketball is probably the easiest sport to turn things around in a short manner because you really just need two guys and a good coach. As much as we both love Mike Bray, he wasn't doing anything the last five years. Like, who knows what sort of impact it has having a coach in there who actually gives a shit. I, I don't know. It could it could make a difference, to be honest. So um, I, I'm not – although it do, does look very grim right now, like you said – I'm not as despondent about the potential uh, of there being a, a quick rebound just because I think it only takes two guys. And and who knows? Maybe the school recognizes that and makes some exceptions for once and allows them to get some guys into the school. Yeah, I think this might actually be rock bottom because I don't see it getting much worse than it is right now because Notre Dame doesn't have a coach. Like I think that once they do get that guy hired, whoever that may be, um, I think things are going to start to progress a little bit. Now, next year, the record is still going to be awful. That's not going to change. But it's a lot different if you if you have a bad re- bad record next year when you at least have the guy you want for the future as the head coach. It's a little bit different than this past season where it's like Notre Dame was limping to the finish line and Mike Bray is still stalking the sidelines. And as much as we loved it, it was just sort of this uncomfortable, like, okay, this is great, but also, like, we need to start taking some steps forward. Now, as uh, for those next steps – Based on multiple reports, it seems like the coaching search is down to three options. Penn State's Micah Shrewsbury, Drake's Darian Devries, and Colgate's Matt Langle. Who do you like the most out of those three? That's a good question. I've started to warm up to Shrewsbury in the last week and a half or so, not only because of Penn State's run through the Big Ten tourney, but just understanding his pedigree a little bit better, knowing that he'd been with the Boston Celtics for a few years. He had been at Purdue. Um that's that's pretty legit. He's worked with some pretty legit coaches. And so I, I like that. Um, he's obviously an Indiana guy. Penn State, I think. I looked at this on Sunday. I forget the exact number, but with making the tournaments this past year, that was only their ninth or tenth tournament appearance ever, which is pretty wild. So it doesn't really seem like he's going to stay there. If he goes to Notre Dame, great. Um, it could be somewhere else. Uh, I think those other two options that you mentioned – DeVries and Langle are both great, especially if DeVries brings his son, but they're not going to knock me over. I'd rather have somebody who's worked, um, you know, at at a high level across levels and and has had success as a a head coach in a power six conference. The one thing about Shrewsbury, if he does come, it shows that he really wants the job a little bit more than like the average coach, because like we're just saying, the situation is not ideal for him and he's got a pretty good thing going right now at Penn state even though he's going to lose a bunch of guys after this season, like I'm sure they'd pay him handsomely. If he chooses to walk into the situation at Notre Dame, it's because he really wants to, like he really likes the program and wants to do something there, which is encouraging where it's like, if it's a mid-major coach, who's just, it might seem like they're just kind of making up, making the climb up the ladder a little bit. And I can't think of a person who is, if, if Shrewsbury does come, who's that committed to getting to Indiana at all costs. Yeah, that would be impressive. I mean, Indiana isn't exactly the, the best place in the world to to live, having done that for four years. Um, but all props to him. You know, it is interesting. <laughs> I saw today that there's some guy from Brown that hit the transfer portal, and 
they said like they asked him the schools to reach out to him. North Carolina, Kansas, Stanford, and Notre Dame. Who from Notre Dame is reaching yeah. out to this guy? <laughs> like I guess these assistants are still operating with the mindset that they're going to keep their jobs. And you know, I, I wish all the best for them. But it made me wonder, like, who is doing this reach out? Yeah, I was wondering that as well because, I mean, it's not going to be anyone from the athletic department. And if you're a coach on the staff. You got to look for your next job. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, hey, good on them for scouting yeah. the portal. But can you imagine that phone call? Like, hey, uh, we're interested in you coming to Notre Dame. And the guy's like, okay, who's the coach? Well, we don't know. Are you going to be there? Well, I don't know. What about the rest of the roster? Well, we, we don't really have that, but we really want you. Like, I can't imagine that phone call went super well. No, um, I, I can't imagine it did either. But whoever made it, made it nonetheless. So props to them. Yeah, so you said you're coming around to Shrewsbury. If he is the guy, how would you grade that hire? It's not, is it a home run, or is it just like good hire, or we'll kind of wait and see? It's. I think it's a good hire. Um, I've always felt that the Notre Dame basketball job should be more attractive than it appears to be at the moment. Now, granted, some of that might be just due to the own lack of emphasis internally that Notre Dame is putting on basketball with what we're seeing in this search. Um they haven't had that many coaches, I guess, in the history of the program. So this isn't something that's happened all that often. I mean, Digger was there for how many years? Like 20, probably, right? Right. And Mike Bray was there for 23. And then you had the short John McLeod stint and an even shorter Matt Doherty stint. So this this hasn't happened very often. And I, I don't know. I, I just would like to see Notre Dame take some swings at some really big names. Apparently, John Calipari reached out. We saw that in Tom Noy's article the other day. I think he may have just seen the video that you put out on the <laughs> old podcast you used to produce. So I, I don't really know if that happened or not. Um, we know that Chris Holtman expressed some interest. That doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But I, I don't know. I guess I just kind of expected that maybe you could really get somebody bigger here. I don't know if that's like uh, somebody in the NBA or, or what. Um, but I just... I, Shrewsbury is a little bit an up and comer and maybe that's what you need right now. But I just feel like the cachet of Notre Dame while also not really having to have the highest of expectations because nobody really cares until January 15th. Um, I feel like that should be more attractive than, than maybe it is. Yeah, I agree with you. The job should probably be looked at a little bit differently. And I think if Bray had walked after last season, it would be a much different conversation. Like after right. that little yeah. run in the NCAA tournament, I think we were looking at this completely differently, but considering the state of the roster is so dire right now, it's not looking that great. Yeah, that Tom Noy report about Calipari, first of all, he said that the administration wouldn't uh, wouldn't back him as if that's the thing that's getting in the so way. So I guess they wouldn't Calipari. sign off on Patino then too? It appears think not. that could be a problem? It, ah, appears, it appears not. Now, we tried to speak that one into existence. It didn't work out. Um, I don't. I didn't see one legitimate report that Calipari and Notre Dame had any mutual interest at all. And then that comes out. So I don't know. Maybe there was the Holtman thing. I think there was some legit smoke there. But honestly, I, I don't really understand the full scope of that situation. I think his buyout was pretty big. Shrewsbury's stock right now is a lot higher than it was two weeks ago. Sure. Like the timing of that big. That's why I said I was warming up to him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like. At first, you're like, okay, looking at it, the record at Penn State, they haven't really done anything. But then they have this little run in the Big Ten tournament. You're like, okay, I could see it. And he had a quote uh, yesterday. Basically, they just asked him point blank, do you plan on coming back to Penn State next year? First, he tried to walk around the answer. And then he finally was like, you know what? I don't know, which is basically code for, no, nah, I'm not coming back. 
I totally agree. Um, and thankfully, he didn't lie and just say, no, I'm 100% committed to Penn State. Now, the timing of all this stuff with basketball is brutal, and, and it happens in football with coaching, but some of the transfer portal stuff honestly doesn't make any sense to me. Like, that really shouldn't open up until after the NCAA tournament. To be honest, it kind of rewards teams for not being very good because if you're in the tournament right now, you can't really be that focused. And maybe you have some GAs or whoever doing some of this initial reach out, but um, it almost rewards the teams that aren't in the tournament and that didn't have that great of seasons because they can focus on those efforts right away and get a head start there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess to the point, um, I, I guess that makes it sound like he's probably not going to stay in Happy Valley. Yeah, it sounds like it's either going to be Notre Dame or Georgetown, but we'll wait and see. So regardless of who the next coach is, when do you think the men's team will make a return to the NCAA tournament? I was, I will say by the 2025 NCAA tournament. So two years. That's a pretty quick turnaround. I, like I said, I don't think these turnarounds take that long. Um, they should yeah. get one or two guys, especially at a school like Notre Dame, which weirdly is pretty high up there for all time tournament appearances uh, amongst schools. I, I think they're like in the top 20 on that list. Um, and they're also, I think in the, I don't know what place they're on for wins, but it's higher than you would think for a team that's only gone to one final forever. Uh, but I think that at a program like Notre Dame with the, the basketball history that they do, it should not take longer than two years. Yeah. I, I think a safer bet is probably 2026 because we both agree next year is going to be a disaster. Like they're going to have to pick up some guys in the transfer portal. But if you're a grad transfer, that's not a super appealing destination next year. Now, if next year they are pretty bad, but they get some recruits coming in and then the following year they're able to land a couple transfers and then it's like, okay, I'm a grad transfer last year. I could go to Notre Dame get a master's degree, whatever the case may be in this team. I might be able to help turn this thing around and get this on track with the new coach. It becomes a little bit more appealing. I still think 2026 is probably the safest, which would honestly suck because that would be like three more years without an NCAA tournament run. Yeah, that'd be what, two appearances in eight years or something like that? Yeah, it's just it's not the same this weekend, even though in the past, like, I never had super high hopes except for the 2015 team, obviously. Like, going into the tournament, you're like, all right, let's 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 just get to weekend two. And it just changed the whole dynamic of the weekend, whereas now it's I'm obviously still very excited. It just, it just doesn't feel the same with not only Notre Dame not being in it, but no hope of making it in anytime soon. It's definitely, it definitely changes things. I, I will say, though, one of the perhaps worst things of this tournament is when you lose in the first round and then you just don't want to watch the rest of the first weekend because you're just like, I'm done with this. That sucked. Uh, <laughs> there's been a couple of years that come to mind. Notre Dame got screwed against Xavier in 2012. Um, I think the following year, too, they got blown out by Iowa State. I just remember having no interest in the rest of the first and second rounds. So I guess on the bright side, there's no possibility for heartbreak at this point. So you can just enjoy all the basketball. But yeah, it obviously uh, tournament basketball when your team is cooking is is special, uh, especially when you're in Chicago and the weather finally starts to warm up a little bit. And then you have something like your team's winning. Uh, it's just a special time of the year, but yeah, you're right. It could be a while till uh, we get to experience that again.
We'll be right back with Luke Smith, but first I want to talk to you about FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if the first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes made. I like the Sacramento Kings to cover tonight on the road against the Nets. They're two-and-a-half-point dogs at the time of this recording, but I really like this team, and I think they'll get a nice win tonight in Brooklyn. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's switch to football. Notre Dame kicks off spring practice next Wednesday, and even though it's just practice, I'm excited to be able to talk about real-life football being played instead of coaching hires, NIL, the transfer portal, all that. What storyline surrounding the spring session are you most interested in? I think I'm most interested in seeing um, who steps up on the defensive line. I guess another question is, if I recall correctly, I don't think there was that much access in the spring practice. I remember people having some gripes about that. Is that correct? Yeah, and there's not a ton more this this spring. There's one uh, entire practice on April 1st, and then, yeah, most of the practices I'm seeing, there's no media at all. And if there is media, there's, I think, four practices where they get, like, the first five periods. So there, there's a little bit there, but we're not going to get a ton. We're just going to get, like, the Twitter video that gets everyone all excited of Tobias Merriweather catching a deep ball from Sam Hartman. And I will be one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay, fair enough. I, I think the defensive line is the biggest storyline for me. This is going to sound weird, but I, I'm i really not – I don't have that many questions about the offense, despite the fact that half the staff was overhauled, I guess, with a new quarterbacks coach, new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach. I just don't have a ton of concerns there because I think you know what you're getting with Sam Hartman. Um, I think the receivers are going to be really good, even though Caleb Smith, probably Caleb Smith senior probably has half of the production uh, or as much production as like all the returning guys combined or something like that. Yeah. Um, But I I don't know. I just, I'm not really that concerned about what we're going to see with the offense. I think it's going to be really good despite the fact that there are probably some kinks to work out with just some new coaches. Yeah, Caleb Smith put up 674 receiving yards last year and three touchdowns. That's nearly double the amount of yards Notre Dame's leading wide receiver had last year, which was Jane Thomas with uh, 361. So I'm high on him now. The biggest storyline that I'm most interested in this spring is actually about the linebackers and specifically the underclassmen. Like, which underclassman linebacker is going to step up and force himself on the field? So I'm looking at you, Jalen Sneed or Prince Colley, because – Sneed was obviously the top prospect in Notre Dame's uh, 2022 recruiting class. Prince Colley was a top 150 player. And it's weird because Notre Dame is actually returning their three leading tacklers next season, and they're all linebackers, yet no one would really consider them uh, a, a strength on the team as a unit. Like, I, I like J.D. Bertrand a lot. I think you like him as well. Maris Leofau, we we've, we share some concerns about. And Jack Kaiser just wasn't on the field as much last year, but he was efficient when he was. So, Look, the defensive line, I'm with you, is is a concern. What could mitigate that concern is if the defense, or excuse me, if the linebackers have some difference makers there. And frankly, the group last year, just they weren't difference makers. So hopefully a guy like Sneed or Kali uh, could step in and just start to, to really dominate now that they're getting a little bit older. 
Right. I mean, you call them underclassmen and, and they are as stands, but Kali's going to be a junior next year. So um, I think it's time to just let talent win out, basically, I guess, and, and let that shine in the field. Obviously, the coaches are going to play the best players. We don't need to relitigate this. This is what they do. Um, but Kali needs to show that he's one of the best players and, and just really leave them no choice but to play him. Right. And the excuse of like, oh, well, he's still learning how to play defense. That's That's gone by now. Like he's right. been around the program long enough where if he if he's not getting it now, like I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. But I, I the defense, it's weird that the conversation going into the spring is so much different than it's been in years past. Like we've had so many questions about the offense, and this year both you and I are, are concerned about the defense. It is interesting, and it's also interesting when you consider the fact that, yeah, we know what Sam Hartman is, but we've never seen him in a Notre Dame uniform. Um, and these receivers are still relatively young and unproven we're just kind of assuming that they're going to continue to progress the way that they that guys like styles and and sorry not styles uh, guys like colsey and thomas did the back end of last season as well as you know the new transfer caleb smith senior as i'm going to call him um but for whatever reasons i just don't have a ton of worries there uh even though you lost michael mayer you have all those backs back i'm just really not that concerned no, I'm not either. And with Jared Parker, it'd be a little bit different story if Notre Dame made an outside offensive coordinator. Like if it were Andy Ludwig or Colin Klein, then I'd be a little bit more interested to see how how much is the offense going to shift. I just don't think it's going to – there's not going to be too many dramatic changes schematically, at least I don't think. And if there are, we probably aren't going to see them in spring ball. Like that's something for probably right. later on in the fall where Notre Dame's like, oh, okay, they're doing – this a little bit differently or this like now with a new quarterback um, who really has only had a quarterback's coach for two weeks since he's been on campus. Like, I, I just don't, I don't think we're going to see a bunch from the offense that's going to be like, Whoa, that looks a lot different than the year before. No, I, I think it'll look very familiar with just a quarterback that's able to push the ball downfield a little bit more effectively than what we've seen. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a pretty low bar <laughs> for yeah. that in recent years. If there's one thing on the offense, I'm excited to see who's going to step up at guard. That's the only real position that we don't know for certain who's going to be the starter. I'm not really concerned about the position because Notre Dame, they recruit offensive lines so well, and I think Joe Rudolph is going to be a really effective coach there. But it's more so like there's a bunch of different guys competing for it. Who's going to step up and get it, and will they solidify their starting job by the end of the spring? That's a good point. For some reason, I sort of just had Billy Schroth baked in as one of those starters just because I think of what we heard the the back end of, of last season from some of his own defensive teammates just praising him. But it is a new coach, too. So um, he's kind of coming in with a, a new canvas or a blank canvas, I guess I should say. So he's probably evaluating all these guys. So it does make me wonder, like, does this give a guy like Rocco Spindler an opportunity to finally step up with just some – kind of a change of scenery within the same place if that makes any sense I don't know um but maybe it does I agree and I but the one person who it's not it is not starting with a clean slate is actually Billy Strouth because Rudolph recruited him at Wisconsin so if anything he's even more of a shoe in to get that starting guard position um okay give you a bold prediction that we can revisit once spring ball is over uh is Jaden Greathouse coming off some sort of injury or procedure Yes, he was definitely dealing with something at the end of his high school career that uh, limited his some of his playing time, but he should be full go for spring. Yeah, I'm going to say that by the end of spring, he is going to be a starting receiver for Notre Dame. 
He, I, uh, I just, he's got something about him where it's just like, this guy knows how to play football. Um, I think the first time I ever saw his junior year state title highlights where he just torched Peyton Bowen and really just took it to him and Cade Klubnick took it to Denton Geyer. I just think that guy's going to be a really special, really. And, and maybe not like, wow, this guy jumps off the page at you, but he really knows how to play football and they're going to have no option. Um, but to play him this fall. And, and I think we'll know that coming out of the spring. He's certainly very confident and it's, it's not like a cockiness. I think he's just played at a big time high school, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And when you play at a program like that, and then you go to college, it's not as much of a, wow, like the lights are so much brighter. Now it's still a big adjustment. Don't get me wrong, but it's just not as drastic. And the fact that he gets an early enroll helps him big time. I think if great house could be what Lorenzo Styles what Lorenzo Salas was at the end of his freshman year, that would be huge for Notre Dame's receiving core. Cause then you got guys like Thomas and Smith and the like the veteran guys, they're going to improve. And then you fit in great house into that equation. And then all of a sudden this receiving core that has been much blind over recent years could be one of the best units on the entire team. Yeah. It, it almost feels like we're kind of baking that in and I'm not really sure why, but that's just how I feel. Might be Sam Hartman. It might be the guy getting him the ball. Yeah, that, that might that change some things. That could play a role. All right. I already mentioned mine, but I, I'm really high in Caleb Smith. So if great house is a starter, I think Caleb Smith is going to be the number one. I talked a little bit about it with Tyler Horker yesterday. Um, I already mentioned his stats and I think he is just the ideal receiver for Sam Hartman to throw to. So it sounds like both of our predictions are about the receivers. So that is something that we can revisit once spring practice is over. Okay. Uh, last one on the way out here in the spirit of St. Patrick's day, where's the best bar in South Bend to celebrate this sacred holiday. So Notre Dame does that weird thing where they only let the students be on campus on St. Patrick's day, like once during their four years. Um, so I don't have a great feel for this, but I do remember like spending a couple Sundays that were around St. Patrick's Day at O'Rourke's, and I feel like it was a pretty good time. So <laughs> I'm going to go with O'Rourke's. It's an Irish bar, but uh, I guess so they aren't like the other Catholic school in the Midwest, Dayton, which kind of goes crazy on St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame is shockingly somewhat cautious <laughs> and um, doesn't want their students around on St. Patrick's Day. Do you think they plan spring break with No, they, they do. I, oh, they I'm definitely pretty do? Sure, yeah, yeah. That's like a known thing. <laughs> That is that is so classic Notre Dame, a day where they should be able to like lean into and make it the most fun day ever. They're like, nah, like go spend it yeah. in Punta Cana or wherever you're spending yeah. spring break. I'm gonna take O'Rourke's too for the same reason. What was their one drink that they had, their specialty drink? What was the, that called? Yeah, the, uh, the Clover Court. All right, I got a hot take. Those are terrible. They I are. <laughs> they they it's like uh it's like eating like lucky charms with a bunch of alcohol mixed in. It's gross. Yeah. I think people just convince themselves that they are good, even though. I mean, that's pretty much like any specialty drink in any college town. And they're just loaded with sugar. Just so much sugar. Like your mouth is like sticky afterwards. All right, Luke, this has been great. Enjoy the weekend and we will do it again soon. All right. All right. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. I hope you guys enjoy the first weekend of the tournament, especially tomorrow on St. Patrick's Day, and I hope you guys drink all the green beer your heart desires. As a reminder, no show tomorrow, but I'll be back on Monday, and then it will be full steam ahead getting ready for spring practice. Remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. 
For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you on Monday.